Today, I'm really excited to bring you an interview with very good friend and old training partner of mine, and also, for my money, one of the best grapplers to come out of the UK over recent years, and that is a Mr. Ross Nichols. He's a first-degree black belt under, under Hodger Gracie, has won multiple titles, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, in, in the introduction of the show uh, when we're speaking to Ross. But I really hope you enjoy this, and I think what you're going to get from this episode is very much diving into the mindset of Ross in terms of how he approaches training and how he approaches competition. Some some interesting stuff, and some of it may not surprise you, and I think sometimes that's a very good thing when you listen to someone who's a high-level competitor and realize that what they're doing is not that complex it's something that you can easily take and translate in, into your own game. We talk about uh, Ross's physical preparation or lack of physical preparation off the mat to help him with jiu-jitsu, which will be good for you to hear as well, and his top tip for looking after his body for all of the jiu-jitsu and all of the training that he does. And we'll talk a little bit about his weekly schedule, and you'll see it's quite intense. But with that, guys, let's get into it. You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and Physical Optimization Specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. So, guys, welcome to the latest BJJ Strength podcast. I'm very, very happy to get on the phone. Finally, Mr. Ross Nichols. Um, we've been trying to make this happen for the last couple of weeks. Ross has been ill. We had some recording problems in the past, but finally, Ross is on. If you don't know who Ross is, shame on you. He's one of the, you know, the top for me. You know. I think the top British-born grappler at the moment, one of the top guys coming out of the UK, even when you include all of the, you know, the Brazilians that are, train- that are training and, and living there at the moment, one of the top guys in Europe right now. He, uh, just to name some of his accolades, he's uh, won the ADCC European Trials this year, so he'll be coming to California next year, which I'm very much looking forward to seeing. He's uh, in the Norgi British National Champion, as you know, IBJJF um, European champion at the Coloured Belt, um, a ton of stuff, right? A lot of competitions. He's a he's a huge he's a huge competitor. Um, very very nice guy, and I can say that personally. So I'll give you some context. Ross and I've known each other. Actually, we first met in during my first competition as a white belt, and I think it was his, his third or fourth competition, the Bristol. Yeah, you you were drunk. Was I drunk? I was hangover. <laughs> I was definitely hangover. I'd been boozing the night before with my uncle, but I won't yeah, go. You went out with your uncle for a curry and four pints of Guinness or something the night yeah. before your first tournament. One of my well, favorite stories. It seemed to work, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's not a formula I'd recommend, but it seemed to work on the day. I managed to win gold. Um, so yeah, that's when Ross and I first met. But Ross and I didn't know each other at the time, but actually both grew up in the same town in South Wales, in, in Port Talbot. Um, and then Ross came to, I think you were already in London, but started training at the Hodger Gracie Academy. I think you had just got your purple belt in 2000 and something, whatever. 2000, yeah, whenever, 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 whenever that was. Um, Ross and I both got our black belts from, 
from Hodger Gracie, Ross, um, about a year and a half before me. So before I moved to the UK, Ross was you know, my top training partner. Um, and I like to think that all the times I let him tap me out has helped build his confidence for competition. Yeah, man. <laughs> But Ross, Ross, uh, it's good to have you on, buddy. Um, how are you? Uh, good, good to be on. I'm still recovering a little bit from um, I got an infection in, in the, the bursa of my right knee, so I'm stuck at home, unable to train. Hopefully, I get back training sometime next week. Um, but yeah, would, I'm good. Would if if the knee wasn't injured, would you have been coming to the Norgi World? Was that in plan, or not? Were you were planning um, coming over. I rate. I managed to. It's a little bit of a thing. I I I managed to arrange a month of back-to-back tournaments. Yeah. So I was going to see how I'd feel at the end of getting all those tournaments out of the way, and then maybe book like a last-minute trip over to LA. Yeah. And good job I waited because this infection kicked in just before my match on Polaris, and I wouldn't have been able to come. So never mind. Next year. Yeah. So that match of Polaris, that was with Gianni Grippo. No. Uh, so Polaris was meant to be Manchikit. Well, that was three people. It was meant to be Taza. He went out injured. The match was a bit jinxed. Um, and then it was meant to be me and Marchin held. Marchin then pulled out with a neck injury. Then Manchikira stepped in. And then I had to pull out with a knee injury. And it ended up being Lawson Giles and Manchikira on the show. And how did that go? Um, Manchia won. Yeah. Um, played like a really heavy knee slice game. Lost on Richard's guard on, well. And, uh, on your right side or left side? On, I know the, I, on the left side. Because I, I used to try to knee slice you to, to, with, with my left knee forward, but you never let me. Yeah, I play um, whenever people, what, what people normally do is they play the same types of guards on whatever side. I don't. Okay. Um, so when people try knee slicing me to that side, I think I think Keenan calls it a moth guard or something. Moth guard. Yeah. So no one. So I use that to prevent people from actually knee cutting at that side because it's a pain in the ass defending that. Isn't it? Moth guard. Do you know what? I think, I think it's moth guard. I'm gonna look that up because yeah, knee slicing the knee, defending the knee slicing norgi is a very different proposition to in the gi. It's a little uh, harder to get as well. I play on my on my strong side. I play a reverse Delaheva shin on shin hybrid, mm-hmm. and that so they actually can't get their knee to the ground. And the more they try getting their knee to the floor, I'm able to like place their knee back down into my butterfly half, and then I I start attacking from there. And that's where you want to be, right? Yeah, that, that's yeah. your. That's your A game. That's where I'm trying to get. <clears throat> so I'm trying to force them down to their knees into my butterfly half so I can start going for leg locks and arm attacks. But Let's... depending on which side they play, I'll go Moth Guard or Reverse Delaheva, Shion Chin. Dude, there you go. Look at that. I'm good. We were, we've, been work, we've been working Reverse Delaheva actually about a month ago. And yeah, that's, that's very, very helpful on the knee slice. Very, very helpful. But Moth Guard. So the shin on shin with the reverse Delaheva, so the outside leg, instead of having it floating, you bring that foot underneath the leg that you're grapevining. Yeah. Play that little shin on shin there, and it's a nightmare to cut through. you got to give it a name. That's what you got to do. you got to name a guard. Then you can do a DVD series. Because, uh, the Ross. That's the Ross. message me, actually, asking like to, to put some 
content up on it. They notice I do it. And it stopped it stopped um, Taza from passing and Gianni from passing quite well. Uh, Nathan tended to just kind of dive for Kamura's a lot, so he didn't get to use it much against him. He wasn't really committing with his lead leg. Yeah. But against heavy knee slices, it's working really well. So you, let's talk about the uh, the Gianni Grippo fight because um, let, let's kick off on a tournament or, or a fight that he did win and that was he's a very very big name in the jiu-jitsu world right um, and I, I think a lot of, a lot of the audience here is I know a lot of audience my audience is the US and a lot of people do know who you are I think everyone's going to know who, Gian, who Gianni is so that must have been um, a pretty big moment to get that to get that scalp yeah it was good um Felt more like an opportunity lost afterwards because I had some really deep leg lock entries. I had some good uh-huh. submission attempts and just feel like I probably should have capitalized on them a little bit better than what I did. Yeah. But, you know, the guys had matches against some of the best leg lockers in the world. And, you know, he's got out. I don't think Calstein didn't have as many, like, tight leg lock entries as what I had on him. Yeah. So, yeah, still reasonably happy. But using that, that's a good, uh, that's maybe a good way to be, right? To think of, okay, you know, you can get, you could make that, you can make the comparison of people who get silver in a big tournament and they're like, they, you can either really be pleased to get silver or really pissed off that you don't get gold, you know? And I think that's what can, can drive you forward. It's interesting how your standards change over time. Because, you know, you remember when you first start getting your, uh, first got my black belt. And you go into matches against some of the world's best, not really expecting to do all that well. And you're just happy with decent performances. And this year has just started to kind of change a little bit. I'm expecting to beat these guys. Mm-hmm. And what, you're, 20, you're 29 now? 28. 28. 28. Still got a good few years left in you then. Well, yeah, Josh Hinger is what, repping at like 37. So. Dude, he's a beast. He's a savage, isn't he? Yeah, great guy too. Really yeah, good guy. It's, it's like, uh, it's a cool example of, because a lot of, so one of my friends, he's like, oh, you see all these youngsters coming through at Athos and stuff, and you see like Josh, who kind of, you know he had quite a big wrestling background before, mm-hmm. but it shows it can be done still, you know, getting into it late. Yeah, and he broke through, not that he wasn't winning stuff and doing well in tournaments, but he didn't break through and get his first title until he was 35. Yeah, we were both there at the Nogi World yep. in San Francisco. Yep, yep. Um, and I think he'll be there. He beat Charles Necromonte in the final. Yeah. yeah it's one of my teammates over here. <laughs> so mixed emotions. Yeah, mixed emotions. So um, when you were, because you've been a black belt for what, four and a half years now, roughly? Yeah, four and a half now. Four and a half years. When you started competing as a black belt, when was the, fir- the first time, or maybe it happened before black belt, the first time you started competing with people and you were like, oh shit, you know, I'm, I'm you know, rubbing shoulders with some of the best in the world? I think it's like kind of recently. You, you need, I think that might be a downside over of like kind of coming up through the UK is you don't rub shoulders with these guys until kind of later on or when you're, you know, unless you do a lot of traveling over to the U S Yeah. and knowing whether you can, you, you've got, you've got to test yourself against these guys just to kind of, in my mind, to convince myself that I can win. 
and I feel like I've just kind of gone over the precipice of enough experience against these top guys that I should be beating them. You have the confidence to be able to do it. Um, yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that because you're someone who's had, you, you know how many competitions you've had, I bet, don't you? Because I, I think you record this. I used to. I've lost count now. I think I've had like 45 matches this, this year. So just this year? Yeah, just this and, year. And you've competed consistently since the white belt for, yeah. you know, for 10 years. So you've probably had in the region, let's do, this is real quick math, you know, 400 or so fights maybe. Probably touching 400 matches, yeah. So it's interesting to hear you say, talk about confidence when, to, to me, I, I see you compete, you always look really chilled you always seem to be you know to be confident you always felt very confident to me when we were rolling and i think a lot of people watching you would think oh he looks really confident so it's maybe comforting for some people to think that you know well everybody gets doubts you know oh yeah absolutely once you're in there though and you feel the grip strength of the guy you feel the guy out a little bit it breaks down that little that apprehension I have before the match and you kind of settle into it, you know? Are there any, any routines that you put yourself through? Oh, you none at all. Nothing? No. No. I don't really warm up even before a match. You find that, you, you think that's, it, oh, obviously it works for you, right? Um, is there a reason you don't warm up? Not really. Like, I don't really think about it all that much. You just get out and... It's interesting seeing the contrast in preparation. So, like, um, fusing grapple fest, an example, Gianni's there, like, you know, <coughs> doing all these really clean drills, really clean techniques, and I'm there, like, just chilling. No music? Any headphones on, or you just... No, I don't have any headphones at the moment. So <laughs> <laughs> you go. So anyone who wants to sponsor Ross with headphones, get in touch That'd with That would be amazing. Yeah. It's on my okay. Christmas list. I'm gonna get some headphones for Christmas. I'll send I'll send a copy of this to Dr. Dre. Get you some beats. <laughs> yeah. Get you some beats. Sponsored by Dre. <laughs> did, 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 I don't even know if he still owns it, right? He might have sold that off. But um that's interesting, right? Because I think we we're all you and I are almost opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of the outside jujitsu physical preparation for the sport. And also I'm, I'm a big fan of like a, a good warm up. nothing too crazy. Right. So it's interesting to hear you talk, talk, talking about that approach. Um, so it, you just, you prefer to get out there, bump, touch hands and you just go. Yeah. Quite often I'll be sleeping beforehand as well. <laughs> do you think so that puts like, I do like fine. I find like tournament environments very draining. So if I can shut my eyes and not realize that I'm there for as long as possible, that's, that's what I like to do. Do you know how, who I've seen do that? It was uh, years ago at the European Championships when Cron Gracie won it at Black Belt. And that's what he was doing in, in between fights in the warm-up area, just a hoodie on, just kind of lying on the floor. Yeah, well, when you do so many, it's like, just kind of get used to it. And you're not you know, edgy about going on. I mean, I remember a white belt, you know, being terrified and sleep was the last thing I could possibly do before go, going on a mat, going on for a match. Mm -hmm. But after, say, 400 or so matches, you, you kind of relax a little bit. Are you nervous at all? Um, yeah, I think so. And it depends on what sort of matches it is. I mean, if, you're, if I'm expecting, 
if you're going into a match expecting to beat the person, it's a different sort of nerves to you going in against, you know, a guy who's kind of world-renowned and you're going in as an, as an underdog. Mm-hmm. It's interesting dealing with the different types of pressure. You know? Are you are you more nervous against a bigger name or someone who's up and coming that could kind of, you know, knock you off your spot, so to speak? Oh, that's a tough one to say. I don't know. I don't know. There are different type of nerves. Different type of nerves. <laughs> so normally, like, when you go in against the, the guys who are coming up or who you're a little bit worried about, you go in and you discover, actually, there's a reason why you've got that spot that you've earned. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're good at jiu-jitsu, right? Yep. So as you go in against these higher guys, the match tends to be a little bit harder. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Uh, the only comparison I've got, I, I've fought some one or two bigger names, and the biggest name being Zanji. I got well, I got well beaten, right? Um, but I was less. <clears throat> I think I was less nervous going into that fight because I knew there was zero, absolutely zero expectation on me to win. So yeah. my my mindset was like. This is like I, I've arrived at like the World Cup final or something, and I'm just fighting a big name, and I, I was just there for the experience, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's like one of one of the biggest things we mentioned there is like so letting go of the expectation of winning. I think I think that's the major thing that a lot of athletes could do with uh, doing. Um, I kind of I, I had that I had one of those mindsets going into the ADCC trials where I was just like. The rule sets don't particularly suit me. I'm not a huge wrestler. You know, pretty much every match I got penalized for pulling guard. Uh, but the no points kind of is that Is that the main reason those rules don't suit you is because of the guard pulling? Yeah, guard pulling. Okay. Particularly in the finals when they, they penalize you in, um, uh, in the early stages. They don't mm-hmm. have the, the no points section. Mm-hmm. Um, So I went into it just being like, I'm just going to try and submit everyone. So you just like go through your techniques as opposed to worrying about the result. Yeah. And I did that with every match. And you won? Yep. Well, um, that was probably one of the best best performances I've had, I think. I felt so comfortable competing. But it's kind of it's happening more. Yeah, so you're getting into that and getting into that ideal spot, and you think you think a part of it is just letting go of the expectations and letting. Yeah. I tell you who talked about. I talked talked about this with is John Smith, right? Who you spoke to a couple of weeks ago, um, and there's a concept of no mind or mushin is is the Japanese term for it, and he put. I, I kind of heard about it, I think, but he put me onto it. I've been reading up on it, and it's that, that and at that point of time with a fight. He's kind of similar to you in many ways in his approach, his approach into, or his approach to competition, where he'll say to himself, "Look, I've done all the training. I know everything that I know at this point in time. I'm not going to change yet." And he just lets almost instinct take over. Yeah, sounds similar. Which is why we, which is why we roll better in um, uh, in our private training, isn't it? Because you do thousands and thousands of rounds. And the thing that becomes less important is the result of each round, I think. I, um, I, I had an interesting experience training yesterday. And I've, as I said, I've got the Nogi Worlds tomorrow. I know yeah, I've been injured. My training hasn't been great. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to get out and do what I can. 
and I was rolling with someone who he's caught me once or twice. He's really, really tough. Um, but you know, sometimes I can struggle to, to beat him and get good positions and, and to tap him. But yesterday I was rolling in a way where super, super light, not even getting out of breath. Um, you know, quite, quite relaxed. And I was, you know, sweeping him and passing him and catching him. And he was, you know, I didn't tell him I was going light. And he, he felt like he was, you know, maybe he wasn't going 100%, but he was still giving it. And yeah. when I wasn't trying, it almost seemed like it was easier to beat him. So it's funny. It's yeah. Was it like Bruce Lee, I think, had a line with this, didn't he? He said, do, don't think. It's like the, the biggest barrier to, to actually doing something is our conscious mind. Yeah. You got to get out of your own way. Yeah, is another way yeah. to is another way to look at it. And that 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 split second where you think, should I be doing this? No, instinctually, just do it. They, I, I used to have a rugby coach that talked about that a lot. Where if you see the gap and you think about going for the gap, it's yeah, already too you'll, late. you'll miss it. It's gone. Yeah, it's already too late. I and think there we're is... about reactionary jiu-jitsu and reactionary sports play. Yeah. I think there are, there's, there's a lot of time in jiu-jitsu because of the nature of it, where it's, it's up-down, it's up-down, right? You have peaks, then it slows down. And I think when it slows down, you do need to stop and think and think, okay, my guard passing hasn't worked here for the last three attempts. Now I've got to try something different. But when you're actually in the moment, uh, there are, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, let's say a knee slice, right? Let's say we talked about the knee slice earlier. You're going for a knee slice. And, you know, someone is, you know, trying to come, maybe they've got an underhook on you, they come around your back, but you go high on the head, you step over and go for a knee bar. And those are the kind of things that you just go for, right? You don't really, you don't really think about it. So I think it's a mix in jujitsu. Yeah. The defensive side of it is very reactionary. I think your body, you know, you, you kind of put into those positions and you just have to do, do or die. Mm-hmm. Right offensively getting through those mental barriers of actually saying, no, I've got to go through this and attack people. You know, I, I just got to go through these techniques. That's harder to do. Um, as well, what you mentioned is like saying our knee slices isn't working. So I teach this to a lot of my guys. We've got to set it up. We've got to go for, it doesn't mean you might not get the knee slice, but we've got to add fluff to it beforehand. Mm-hmm. We've got to add like, different directional attack, a different pass, mm-hmm. and then move into our knee slice. So I, I'm big on teaching in systems and like in uh, sequences of three moves mm-hmm. and attacking our opponent's correct defenses for those particular moves. Mm-hmm. You got so, an example? You have an example? So with the knee slice, my knee slice works so much better when if I win that inside leg position, I step in hard across to the other side the opposite side yeah knee slice, right yeah. they have to plant their outside leg to prevent uh to stop me from smashing their legs down to the ground into the leg drag position yeah so then when they plant that leg I, I change hard direction knee slice to the other side i don't have to worry and because they've planted that outside leg i've got a big space for that underhook just to get buried yeah <clears throat> I, I do the same thing go one way and then knee cut the other yeah. I'm really loving like the um, big part of my passing, Nogi, is kind of working from the hub, which is winning that inside leg position and then sitting on their, their shin. So you've got smash passes to one side. You see Gordon Ryan doing it a lot. 
He plays his float, float passes up the middle um, and knee slices off to the, to the other side. You call it the hub. I, I call yeah. it the, the HQ position. I pick, HQ, yeah. Yeah. The HQ position, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's the same thing. I picked that up off a Lovato DVD a few years back. Brilliant. Yeah, I think I've seen Lovato teaching it. Yeah. Yeah, that miss, that idea of, of misdirection is, it applies in so many different places. It's like when you're, we've been doing a lot of drills uh, over the last few weeks where you start off in, the, the person comes in and they pick a position that gives them the best opportunity to score quickly and then you've got to escape. So it's, it's quite specific sparring. And what a lot of people are doing, it's a good position, is coming into back control with the seatbelt, but they've only got one hook. Then you've got to escape or they've got to score or submit. And the number of times that people will be focused on the hook on the hook versus just attack the neck. As soon as you attack the neck, I forget. I have to forget about my legs because otherwise I'm going to tap out and then you get what you want. Yeah. See, I find I, that, that back control is really interesting because I've been teaching my, uh, my guys lately. Um, you know, the seatbelt control, you're yeah. trying to get into their head. They actually don't need the legs uh, in as hooks to actually control the back. So, so no hooks at all or just one hook? No hooks at all. So I'm getting them used to using um, <clears throat> their head next to their opponents with the, um, uh, with the overhook and they're kind of fixing the head in position. And then if you lose the leg position, you flick your legs out away from your opponent and it's far easier to then retake the back. Yeah. What people do is like they get so caught up with getting the hooks in, which is kind of peculiar, right? It's, it's because um, the IBGF rule system kind of really focuses on getting those hooks in. Sorry. That's all right. To score. Well, ultimately, maybe a body triangle or having one hook in and kind of like twist the hook in a little bit is a better real control. Yep. Yep. So you're in that situation, you're, let's say I've got my right arm around over the top, top shoulder, my left arm yep. under the armpit. Yep. So your, your head's going to go on the opposite side of where the arm is over the shoulder. Yeah. And then are you, do you talk about lining the shoulder, shoulders to shoulders or the sternum to the, in between the shoulder blades? What, how do you guide people in terms of lining up their I upper body? Encourage my, I encourage my students now to flick their body away and then to retake the back. I tell them to give up on the hooks virtually immediately and then uh, maintain like that kind of upper seatbelt control of the head position and totally relax the rest of your body to flick it away. Are you maintaining contact with the chest on the back? Um, it's more shoulder on the back of their head with okay. the overhook. Yeah, okay. And then just get them retaking the back and then have the, have the guy strip the hooks, let the hooks go away and then hips out stomach to the ground, retake the back again. Trust mm. your, um, well, the, trust the seatbelt control. And do you link that into Kimura control? Are you in that kind of, a, a Kimura type seatbelt grip? I moved to the Kimura a little bit more when I've actually got my hooks in. So I'm looking to get the hooks and the leg position um, or the pocket. triangle to yep. free up my arms so I can start looking to submit them. Okay. But See. ultimately, you've got back control, I find when you get that seatbelt. Yeah. Not when your legs are in. I heard Gary Tornin talk about this a few years ago, and it stuck with me. If you can see someone's shoulder blades, you can take their back. Mm. 
It's a similar kind. It's, it's, it's one step back from what you're talking about, but it's that idea of you don't need to be in a perfect position to, to get that. And the back is, in sports jiu-jitsu at least, is the, the, I think it's the best position, right? Oh, definitely. It's, uh, I think definitely. the only position that's worth, worse than back is when you belly, belly down someone on, uh, uh, with back control. Yeah, that's horrible. That. That's, that's disgusting. So, uh, see, I, I think you've got a few DVDs in you, Ross. I think someone needs to get in touch with you. And uh, oh, it's scary, though, isn't it? It's scary, kind of like throwing all the content. Like we can talk about it on here, but then you know, like performance anxiety. What if I throw it out there and everyone's like, "Yeah, shit." <laughs> then it doesn't sell. It's fine. Yeah. If it's shit, not that many people buy it, and then in that case, not many people know it's shit, so you'll be fine. Who knows, buddy? You don't know until you try, right? Um, I'll, I'll do it. I, I think I, I've got I've got to focus a bit on the competing side of things and building up my brand a little bit more, and then maybe throw out some DVDs. Then yeah, you got to get over to the US a bit more, right? And compete and compete. I do, I do, need, uh, I do need, Well, I've, I've I have to come now next next uh, September. So that's that brings it back nicely to the ADCC trials. Um, so knowing that. I'm just going to go to the bathroom quick. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll edit. We'll, I'll, maybe I'll edit, edit this out or I'll, I'll talk shit about Ross while he's, while he's not here. Um, <laughs> share some stories to embarrass him, but I wouldn't do that because Ross would equally have a lot of stories. Probably no, more. So, coming over to LA a little bit. Probably more. I'm definitely going to need to edit this, edit this, edit this out because I think we're going to hear Ross actually pissing now. No, no, no! I'm leaving you in the kitchen. Oh, you're leaving me in the kitchen. I <laughs> yeah. thought he, I thought he was put, he was putting me down next to the toilet. And I wasn't was, having a piss with you in the room. <laughs> it was suddenly going to become an X-rated, an X-rated podcast. Um, I'm back. All right, perfect. Um, I, I've just, I'll, I'll edit a lot of that out because I wasn't speaking because it's actually incredibly hard to fill yeah. to fill space on your own. It's like I remember having. Um, like charity days in school or you had to talk continuously for as long as you oh. could and then you won a prize. It's, it's a lot harder than you think. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't like doing that. Without talking gibberish. Um, so ADCC a, a trials. So you won the European trials, which is, which is yeah. awesome. But going, going into the tournament, knowing that, as you said, the rule strategy plays the rule set plays against you because you're a guard a guard puller yeah. what were you what, what were you thinking going into leading up to the competition and the way you trained um train normally i don't really um so like every training session i go to every round i want to finish like two subs ahead of my opponent so sometimes i end up doing um like 30 minute rounds to get to get to that Mm. with some of the some of the black belts in the gym like yeah. you and i you remember we used to do like 30 40 minutes sometimes if we were having a good one right i do remember that i do remember yeah. that very fondly great so you should train <laughs> um so like i don't really change my prep all that much you keep it um, but going into it like particularly so there's six minute matches a division of all the uh, are they only six minutes yeah six minutes in the trials so three minutes no points three minute points mm -hmm. um and a division of over 60 there's a i wasn't going in expecting to win that i don't think any athlete could have gone in expecting to win there's too much variability on having matches that are so short mm. and with no points 
so I went in and I was like, I'll have some fun, see how many people I can submit. Uh-huh. And I ended up submitting, I think, four of my five opponents. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's one impressive. Guy from, one guy from Poland, um, Matthias Sudniski. Uh-huh. And yeah. we had a good fight in the, in the semis. Really, really talented leg locker. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of regulation time, I was threatening his back. I passed and he managed to turtle. So that the points is that if you, if you turtle, there's no points. So so no, no, no advantages. So, so you get points for a sweep, a pass, back taking a mount. Yeah, but it's got to be like fully stuck. Scoring points in ADCC is hard. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was threatening his back at the end of um, uh, the three minutes overtime and I won that in decision. Wow. But he was my toughest fight of the day. I think he's going to be actually quite, quite big. Be a big name coming up. Yeah. Not as big as you though, Matt, because you won. You won, you, you won the tournament. So yeah. if, you, if, you, if you don't change your preparation, are, is your training at the same level pretty much throughout the year? You don't, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like I get in, I do my teaching. Um, I teach like th- uh, three privates on, and a couple of classes a day. Uh-huh. And then I fit in probably about two hours of sparring at least a day. Wow, so you're on the mat about five or six hours a day. Yeah, I'm on the mat a lot. Not all, not all of that, right? Is obviously intense. No, no. I mean, like the teaching. I so I do my drilling and things uh-huh. um, within those classes. But the teaching, I think, has really helped improve my game over the last four four years. Mm-hmm. If you hear like some athletes like speaking of like, oh, you know, opening up an academy will. I mean, I guess it will. If, you know, if you're opening up your own academy, you kind of reduce your training partners and, you know, it's not maybe not be as a high level to what you're used to. But teaching, straight up teaching, has helped me a, a hell of a lot. The best example to counter that argument is Hodger Gracie. When he moved to London, there he would rarely have top-level guys to train with. And that, that was at the time that he started... I believe I forget the exact timing, but he was winning. You know, started to win the the, the world titles. You know, so it's um, it's a perfect example again I, against that. I, I also find, but he was teaching a lot, so it kind of yeah. like the first yeah. part of it. Yeah, absolutely right. That's that, that's my point. That's my point that it's that teaching that really makes you, makes you think about the details. And I know personally, from my perspective, when I'm teaching, I'm now teaching you know a class every week, that it forces me. Let's, let's, let's take, take it back to, say, a year ago where I would teach the odd class. I'd cover a class. Typically, I could just pull out from what I knew already. But when I'm teaching every week, it forces me to expand my knowledge of the game to therefore keep giving you know, people new knowledge as well. So it forces me to learn a lot more. So, um, what, so in, terms of, in terms of your training, do you, are you mostly no-gi now or do you split it evenly between the gi and no-gi? At the moment, mostly nogi. Um, all tournaments that I'm doing are nogi. Uh, everyone's on wants to uh, setting up shows and stuff. You know, trying to match me with nogi. So at the moment, just primarily focusing on that. Because mm-hmm. I would love to see you in the at the World Championships in the gi. Nogi. No, in the gi. Well, nogi as well, but in the gi, right? Because that's that's 
I don't know, that's, that's, ADCC is massive, but the, the, the Gi World Championships or the Monday Owls is a big one too. If, if you ask me which one I'd prefer to win, it'd be the ADCC. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear you. Because I wouldn't be surprised to hear anyone say that. 50 Gs now. Do you, do you actually, you, you win money for that as well? well I that's think a, you win like 50 grand or something, yeah. Well, I'm not, not, I, I don't know. I don't know how much it is for, for the weight. I think maybe the absolute is 50 and the divisions are 20. I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, but that would be a nice feeling, wouldn't it, coming off the mat with that money? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have... Uh, I don't want. I don't want you to talk about a great game plan because if you do have one, I don't want you to give it away. But are, are you looking at this tournament now and thinking about the kind of people you could be fighting and how you're going to adjust your training? Or is it too, um, far, or is it too far out? No, I still. I, I, I'm, I'm building a game plan a little bit, and uh-huh. kind of, I've got my ideas. I've mentioned a little bit about it. I just want to have an answer to what anyone can throw at me. Yeah. So. So I'm trying to do build kind of a complete game and just kind of react to whatever whatever's thrown at me. Dude, I can't wait to see that. I'll, um, when you when you come over here, if you want to come over early and you want to stay with, crash with us for a little bit, you know, I, th- I think I might actually if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, we've got a very good leg lock specialist that trains with us, and he leg locks the shit out of me. Uh, in the in in the gi, I, I can survive a little bit because you know it's a different game, right? We'll, we'll, I can grab onto him and we play different rules there. But in no gi, oh, it's it's scary. It's scary some of the stuff that he knows. It really what is. Weight, is he my weight or your weight? Oh uh, no, he's he's heavy, right? He's like a heavyweight, super heavyweight. Um, but incredibly, you know, incredibly technical, incredibly technical. He he does a lot of training with um, there's a guy called Jalen Turner who's just got a UFC contract that trains with us. And he also works with uh, Roosevelt Roberts, who just had his UFC debut and won um, with the most impressive guillotine I've ever seen in my life. If, you, if you've not seen this, right, you need to go away and look at it. And I'll have he, a look. He, 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 he guillotines this guy against the fence, and I swear to God, he's horizontal in the air. Like uh, Roe Ro- Roosevelt is standing up against the fence, and the other guy's just horizontal against the fence, completely off the floor. Um, so Sean Sean Ruiz, right? Sean Ruiz is is the guy. Um, so yeah, he'll he'll happily help you out with some stuff as well. Come I look forward that. to that. That's something I really want to do. I want to start going around a little bit more, and even just in the UK. Yeah, just want to like say, uh, get a train ticket to this place. I'm gonna train with whoever's there. Yeah, yeah. That's. Um, I want to. I want to bring you back to. We can go any direction, right? But I do want to bring you back to. We were talking about what some people say. If you run a school, you're going to have. You know, you're not going to be training with people as high a level of me if you if you just went to the best school for the best for the best training. And I think that can be the case for a lot of people, right? Regardless of the, of the belt rank, you could be in a small town or city where there's not that many people to train with. Um, it just happens, right? It happens naturally. What are the things that you do, kind of specifically in a in a class? Let's say you've got a class where you're not teaching, but you're going to be sparring today, and you know people are lower belts and they're not quite as technical as you. And typically, you tap them out. Are there different approaches that you take to get more out of the training? I let them take my well. I give them my back to start with. Yeah, 
escape and then submit them. You say that so casually. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, like you give them, <laughs> you, you, you give them really good position. I think I went through a phase where I was starting inside triangle. Really? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I've got to do that. I've got a guy that does that, Diego. He's fighting tomorrow as well, and we've been doing specific sparring. His triangle defense is awesome. And then he goes, "Oh, I want to start in your tri- triangle." I'm like, "You fucker!" And he'll get out of it. <laughs> so you put yourself you put yourself in bad position. So even to the point where, look, I'm in a submission. Yeah. And then you're yeah, yeah it's smart, it's smart. Do you give yourself say a count where you'll 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 be training with someone? And you go right. I'm gonna tap this person 10 times but with 10 different submissions do you do that kind of thing too um maybe not 10 different subs because i feel like that can uh, trying to fix your end point will mean that you're not being reactionary to what's being put in front of you i think okay so i like keeping my end point open yeah and exploit the mistakes that are given to me are you thinking about the objective of winning or are you just thinking of trying to really focus in, not about the result at all, but literally moment by moment? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I've been working some techniques lately. So um, the, the big in thing now is letting people take leg locks on you and then taking their back off of leg locks. Okay. So with Dan, her guy is doing it. Craig, that was Craig's game plan against um, Keenan just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he had one really good shot at potentially taking Keenan's back off of it. But that's what they're all doing now is defending the leg lock and hitting leg lock, uh, back take counters off of it. Are, are you th- like heel, heel hook positions? Yeah. Heel hooks primarily. I need to look at that. I need to look at that. Uh, some really good ones I've been working on. It's cool. Because I, if I get someone gets a heel hook on me, I'm just like, just get the fuck out. I'm not thinking about taking the back. I'm clear, clear the knee, get out. That's what I'm thinking about. So how do, uh, do, do you, is it this, does it still work in the same way where you have to clear the knee and then you can set it up from there? Yeah, a lot, it comes off of, um, so there's three I've been working on. So like from like the standard kind of saddle position, you do the, the running man, you clear your knee. Yep. But then the leg that wasn't being attacked, it steps back over the other side of your opponent as if you were turning into them. It's like a big back step. Yeah, and then you forward roll, and then you end up in like um, a twister hook back tick. I've got to see it's that. It's impossible to describe, <laughs> but like, yeah, it works yeah. really well. I've got, I've got an idea. If someone who's a white belt or something who's just new to jiu-jitsu is listening, right. you've you just blown their mind. It's like, no clue where, where, what, what position I'm talking about, where we are now. You've just blown, you've just, you've just absolutely just blown their mind. Um, but you do get like that. I mean, like, if you get you get used to just being in heel hooks the whole time, it's actually kind of hard to finish them against a really good guy. I mean, they hide their heel well. You know, their their body weight dis- uh, distribution is excellent. So you so because the common myth, uh, whether it's a, you know, heel hooks, can be devastating, right, in terms of the injuries. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we did a lot of our training coming up to come up through the belts and. We would do a lot of toe holds, a lot of you know knee bars and, and straight angle locks, but mostly stayed away from heel locks entirely. Until yeah, we didn't really do them all that much, did we? I mean, mainly focusing on the gi during yeah. all that time. 
Yeah. What really triggered it for me and getting into it was um, taking that first match against Taza. You know, if anyone's out there wondering how you get good at heel hooks, take a match against one of the best guys in the world at them, and then like you will fucking learn. <laughs> what's his What's his full name? Oliver Taza. Oliver Taza. I'm gonna look him up. He's one of the DDS guys. DDS. What does that stand for? Dan Hadesquad. Oh, Dan Hadesquad. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm like I'm so not with not done with the kids. I'm like old now. I'm 36. I'm masters too. Shit. I know. Obviously, I know who Dana Dana her is, but DDS. There you go. I just learned something new. Learned something new. Um, I want to start my own. I mentioned this on Verbal Tap. I want to create the Ross Nichols minor ankle injury squad. <laughs> Ross Nichols minor ankle injury squad. What is that? What's that as an acronym? Let's say it's Ross. Nichols minor ankle injury squad run mice. You could (laughs) 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 you could play around with that though, Matt. Yeah, you could could move that around a little bit. The minor, the minor ankle injury, uh, M A I S. That feels like it could be a French word. You know, I don't know. You could look at that. So it's so it's interesting to hear you say that when you put yourself in heel hooks, it's actually quite comfortable to be able to defend them once you get the experience. So it goes away from that idea that they're, they're unsafe to train. Yeah, I, I don't think they are. If you've got... Um, the right training partner. If you've got the right training partners, you've been taught about them correctly, then, I mean, what I tell all my, my guys that are just starting to play around with them, and we haven't had an injury from a heel hook, I think, in the academy yep. since we started probably about 18 months ago, two years, and we're producing some really high-level leg lockers now. Yep. Um, if they get under your heel, it's fucking done. I don't want you guys spinning out of leg locks just yet. The spinning is for advanced grapplers who understand the limits of their knee. But, you know, some people teach that as, as, as the first defense for a heel hook. Oh, you spin out of it. No. Nah, man. If they get under your heel, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. I want you hiding your heel first, protecting that heel. Then you clear your knee line. Then later on when we get good at them, if somebody gets under your heel, then you can consider spinning. So you say hide the heel before you think about clearing the knee? Yeah. Oh, definitely. You got to do that. Yeah. That makes sense. What I do when I'm training with Sean, who's the leg lock specialist, as as we said, He'll, he'll ca- he catches me and stuff all the time. And I know tap, right, is done. But then I ask him to stay. I say, okay, stay there. Show me how I would get out of this or show me where I went wrong. So I'll stop and I'll, rather than just going straight into the, you know, carry on on sparring, we'll spend 30 seconds mm-hmm. and he'll break it down for me. So well, when you're back in the UK, man, I want to when am I back? When am I back in the UK? Oh, you're putting the pressure on me now. This is me meant to be putting pressure your mom, on you. Your mum and dad have been calling me, telling me they miss you and shit. Have they really? <laughs> no, they haven't. <laughs> Fucking liar. Um, <clears throat> my mother was over recently, actually. My is mother she? was over. Yeah. Um, I should be... We were all last over, not last summer, the summer before. So about a year and a half ago when, when the oldest was 18 months. And... The trip back was so bad with her having an eighteen-month-old on an eleven-hour yeah. flight. It was so you got rough. Another one now. Yeah, so. yeah, she's 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 a little over one. So 
<clears throat> what we've talked about doing is next summer, maybe just a, uh, one of us will come back with just one of them. Yeah. Potentially Inez, because she'll be a little bit easier to handle. And maybe, and maybe doing that. I need to come back. Um, it's expensive at the moment for all of us to come. And with the kids being so young, I think we're in that period of where it's difficult. But then when they're both a little bit older, definitely trying to come over once a year at least. I was, I was meant to be coming back last, not last September, this September for a work trip, but that fell through. I would have been in London for a few days. We got some great training for you. Now. We had a bunch of uh, Christmas gradings just gone. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's like five black belts given out. Yeah. And two of them are your way. Raf got his black belt. Yeah. Remember That's Raph? awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Jose started pretty much immediately after you left. He's just got his black belt. Yeah. Have I met Jose? I don't think so. But he's, been, he's from Chile. He's been doing it for way uh, over 12 years. Yeah. And scary strong. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He's really technical as well. Plays like worm guards and stuff. Yeah. But like when he plays a footlock, he'll get it like around like your shin, like halfway up your shin. Really? And, you're like, and you think, like, oh, I'm all right. Like, I'll be fine. And you feel your shin bend. And you're like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> that's, <enough. laughs> that's not meant to bend. No. <laughs> that's not meant to bend. Uh, yeah, I'd... yeah, it was good. It was good coming back actually last time about a year and a half ago when I'd been away for a year and a half and then, and then fighting with some of the same people. Yeah, and then you, you, I, I was injured, so I missed you. I, I didn't train then. I oh, yeah. Should we get into that story? Injured. <laughs> I couldn't move my neck. <laughs> All I know is, Ross, that you've been talking, talking shit. Talking and I, shit. And then I come over and you weren't, and you weren't in, 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 in inverted commas, weren't able to roll. Dude, I wasn't the one that left the country. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because the jiu-jitsu is so terrible over here in California. Because you run away from me. Yeah, yeah, you went to an easier <laughs> place to train. Yeah, dude, the, yeah, the training over here, oof, it's tough. Good. It, it, it's great. It's incredible in the UK as well. Um, a lot more wrestling. A lot more wrestling. I've been doing that for cardio because I'm not very good at wrestling. Yeah. Sometimes, like, when you just kind of end up on the ground and you're not not really pushing yourself as hard. Like I'm garbage at wrestling. So I wrestle and it gets my lungs burn. Yeah, me too. Does, um, Ashley still, still train there and teach you? Yeah. Ashley still trains. So we, uh, we wrestle like a God rule now where I don't pull guard anymore. <laughs> You're not allowed to pull guard. Nah. <sighs> Dude, I just, uh, we've got some good, really good wrestlers and, and a couple of MMA fighters. So their, their takedowns are good. And I'm, Oh, I just, when I shoot, then someone's jumping on my neck and I just feel like uh, recently for the last six weeks, because I've injured my neck, I've stayed away from it. Right. Um, but I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I need to do it. I need to suck it up. I need to suck it up and get better at wrestling. But what I have been developing is a lot of, uh, Kimuras off a single leg. Yeah. You were always good. At, you were always good at that. I remember you hitting them over here all the time. It's kind of Wagner, Wagner Rocha does it. Does he really? Yeah, he's big into the, the Kimura trap stuff off of people going after takedowns on him. He's really good. Hits the back all the time. Yeah, it's a good it's a good attack. I saw a good video of his the other day when he's talking about the, the Python submission and the way he traps the arm from back control. Yeah, he covers the face, but it's the way that he traps the arm. He when he when he traps the arm, he then puts his feet back together in front of the person. And I've been doing that all week. Yeah. And like and hitting it, hitting it 
on a lot of people. Oh man, such a, I, uh, such a simple like detail. The gas mask, love it. I've been trolling everyone with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm fighting in rule sets where where it's allowed. I gotta practice it. I stayed away from that because I'm doing the the the, the nogi world, yeah. so I can't. Right, so I've purposely I've purposely stayed stayed away from that. But I've been doing a lot of when someone's just tucks their chin. I call it Khabib in someone. So I then yeah. I just uh, attack. I still attack. I, I'm nice about it, but I still attack the chin. You know. You know we're we're, we're in gym box over here. So like when 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 they did when that happened, everyone's coming up to me like the PTs were like, "Why did he tap? It wasn't under the chin." And I'm like, "Man, that fucking hurts." If you haven't let, done right, <laughs> let, me show, let me show you. Yeah, let me show you. Well, it can still cut off the blood, and if it doesn't cut off the blood, your jaw's not going to take that much pressure. Uh, mate, like. Tucking your chin isn't a defense for it. You've got you've got to defend the the line of the hand. If that hand goes past the far shoulder, you're done. Whether yeah. your chin is up or down, it buys you time. It buys yeah. you time. Very small amount. So and I want way, ways of applying that now that like you've got. It's all about that hand. You've got to defend that hand from going past your shoulder line. So once okay, so that's what you're thinking about is once the hand gets past the shoulder line, yeah. trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and what what are you doing to stop that? Just grip fighting. That hand fighting, got to prevent that hand from coming out, mm -hmm. going past. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to get into some of the physical strength and conditioning, physical optimization stuff. You know, diet, blah blah blah, all the stuff that. I know you probably don't do because I know you, <laughs> but you're, you're um, listening to your, your training routine. It sounds like, you know, you're teaching three to four times a day with a combination of privates and full classes. Then you try to get two hours of sparring in. Is that five days a week, six days a week? Five or six days like on the weekend. I, I've got, um, I, I've started to visit other academies as well. Yeah. So I go up to Urban Kings on uh, Monday where there's a little group of us. Um, from all across London, we've got these like kind of little little points in the week where we just go and visit each other. And there's some of the best grapplers in the UK. I'm yeah, lucky with that. That's cool. We go down to New School BJJ in Battersea mm -hmm. on Friday. Pretty much the same bunch of guys. Yep. But these open mats are popping up, and like, that's cool. A lot of cross training. A lot of cross training yeah, with other schools. Yeah. That's very cool. So I'll. What I want to, I think that's an important point we can touch on in terms of, you know, getting out and training with other people. But I want to ask you, what do you do on top of that pretty intense training schedule? What do you do to look after your body? Sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sleep and eat a lot. How do you, how many hours of sleep do you get a day? Uh, a lot. So I teach for a couple hours normally every morning, like start at six and I'm normally done at about nine. So I go back to bed. Yeah, until? Yeah. Get another two hours in, then get up and eat. So good. So, like, I, I take my rest quite seriously. Yeah. Sleeping helps a lot. Ross, it and Ross. I, always, I found, like, no ghee far easier on your body. Okay. Yeah, you've said that, you've said that to me in the past. Why, why do you think? Um... So it's, I, I find Nogi far more predictive. Mm. So you're kind of going off of your opponent's reactions, which is a far easier way to grapple, I think. That's, that's the way to effectively 
be a good no-gi player. Um, in, in a gi, you kind of can force things and, and make a technique work mm-hmm. through application of strength and power. Like, nothing wrong with that, obviously. It's all cool. Um, but it's a lot harder to, to do that in no-gi. You've got to be reactive. You've got to get your opponent into reactions that you can predict. Uh, yeah, that's, I'm surprised that you said that. I know you've mentioned it to me in the past that Norgi is easier on your body. I think it's definitely easier on the grips and the fingers and the hands, for, for sure. And maybe it's the style of the way you play in, in, in the Gi versus Norgi, and it, maybe that doesn't change as much. But I think with the Gi, I can slow people down a lot more, you know, and kind of really yeah. kind of, really kind of grind, um, get into a more of a pressure game that's less demanding on me and maybe maybe it's more demanding on the other person and I find that a lot harder to do in, in Nogi. Yeah, you see, I, I want the exact oh, opposite. Sometimes I do. It's You're an interesting to... conversation to have. Maybe styles of grapplers, you know, that matters as well. Yeah. Wait, it's a, you know, maybe a weight class thing as well. Your yeah. your lightweight, I'm heavyweight. It's different. It's different. Um, going back like, to, I'm looking to initiate scrambles in both both rule sets. I like my scrambles. I okay. tend to find it quite a bit harder to do that in a gi. Somebody grabs something, you know, you just get stuck. Then, yeah, they can tie you down. How do you deal with the stuff like worm guard and the various lapel guards that I hate? They're effective, but I hate them. Yeah. Um, you got to attack the grips, haven't you? Yeah. I haven't done gi for a long time, so I'll have to put a gi back on and get people playing worm guard on me and, and see how I deal with it. Yeah, so now is the time for me to fly over to the UK and we can have a gi match. And play some, yeah, play some <laughs> worm guard. Oh, I don't do worm guard. That, that shit's not for me. I'm, I'm more, I have close guard, close guard, half guard, bit of Delaheva. I love, I still love close guard. Close guard is so underused, and it's it's a it's a little harder in in. It's not as effective in nogi because you haven't got the grips. But if you've got yeah, a good close guard in the gi, I do have to worry a little bit about people sitting back. I mean, on Polaris again, um, you saw uh, Jamie hitting a close guard on Ed Ingemels. Uh huh. And Jamie threw up a triangle, like going attacking jiu-jitsu, great. But Ed just sat back and then got a leg entanglement off of it really yeah you're playing legs you if you're on your playing close guard at the same time you you've got to keep that posture broken down constantly Mm. if the guy postures up it's best i think just to let go of the position and then switch up to something else clear space in the clear space Mm. yeah i haven't considered that i need to I'll, i'll remember that for me roll when i put you on my close guard yeah, I'm going after your legs. If you want me in close guard, I'm going to heel hook you. Dude, you're going to go after my legs anyway. You always have. Um, well, I mean, like you're all leg. Yeah, but it's, it's proportional, right? <clears throat> it's proportional. You yeah, it no is. Chest. No, it's not. <laughs> no chest. <laughs> you're no chest. Yeah. I'm, I'm, your, I'm, your legs are like five feet long. Yeah, and the rest of my body is one, one foot, one foot three inches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do have long legs. I do have long legs, so um, but you know you got to use what you got. Um, I want to go just just swinging back to the the, the sleep stuff because I think uh, you know this is like all of this is all of this is fascinating. But trying to kind of tease out some of the stuff that you do, I think 
we've got, you know, people have got some really valuable stuff already. But in terms, in terms of the sleep and other things you do to look after your body, so you're you're up, at, you must be up at about five thirty in the morning to go and yeah, train. five five most days. Teach yeah. at six, then you come back, you sleep for two hours, you eat. What time do you yeah. go to bed? What time do you go to bed at night? How much sleep are you getting at night as well? I try I try to go to sleep as early as I can. Yeah, um, but like six hours. I actually did a bit of reading on it, and apparently I've got a very like nomadic man kind of sleep pattern. Nomadic man, okay. Yeah, kind of like you get up and like hunt for food, then go back to sleep for a bit. It's meant to be kind of good for you. So you okay? So you have a combined eight hours ish of sleep. Yeah, maybe if, a bit more, more than that actually. Like you get, naps, naps and stuff throughout the day. But apparently that's how they should do it, like back in the day. So you um, okay? So you take a two hour nap in the morning and then you still nap in the afternoon as well yeah dude you, you've got the life you got the life do you do um is there anything you do for your routine to get back to sleep are you thinking about okay i can sleep you just sleep yeah. you can just sleep wherever you want yeah dude you're you're you're, you're kind of annoying yeah isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like i can just turn turn it off like there's, um, I think uh, we we went to America when when I was younger and went to Hollywood and there's a shotgun robbery in a hotel in a uh, in a shop next to a hotel and I slept through it, didn't wake up. Really? So, yeah. So like slept through gunfire. I've slept through my my I slept in my dad's convertible sports car when I was like 13, and he was doing like 120 with the top down. Just passed out. I was fucking sleeping. Just passed out. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. See, so you are you're a fair. Well, you you come across as a fairly laid back person. Do you get stressed much? Um. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean. That's a no. A, a that, lot. That, that, that seems that seems like a no to me. That kind of a yeah. I sometimes get stressed. I think, you know, I, I do. Like, you do get a little bit of apprehension. Uh, what does get to me is when I pile up a lot of tournaments on top of each other, mm -hmm. that it does creep into your mind. What if I get to the end of this month and I go four for four in the last column, you know? Yeah. It can happen. Like, if, I, if, I can deal, if I can deal with one at a time, then not so much. But, you know, I do get a little bit of anxiety sometimes off the back of that. Uh, the, I suppose what I'm trying to come back to is if you're able to just switch off and get to sleep and get good quality sleep, you seem like quite a fairly laid back person. And that's why I'm asking. Maybe that's one of the reasons why you're able to do that. Yeah, I do think I've got a quiet mind, a simple man, simple pleasures. Yeah. You don't meditate or anything? No, jiu-jitsu is my meditation. I think like being so encapsulated in the moment is, is, is my meditation. You have that with grappling. You're not thinking about anything other than what's going on at that very moment in time. Mm. Maybe like four or five moves ahead, but that could be within a second. Yeah. Like five seconds of what is actually going on at that point. Yeah. So you're so present and focused in the jujitsu that, you know, that makes sense. It makes sense as a form of a form of meditation. Yeah, your entire being is there at that one point. Mm -hmm. Sometimes sitting down on the sofa and relaxing, or whatever, your 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 mind is off and 
distant places and thinking what I've got to do today, what I've got to do tomorrow, or like six months from now. Mm. And grappling, you're just, you're just there. Just in the moment. Yeah. 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 So, the, okay, so you've talked about sleep. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of glad that you said sleep is important in terms of looking after your body because I think people will say supplement X, Y, or Z, or a certain kind of training, some kind of cryotherapy, you know, mobility I've work. I've never taken any supplements. You've never taken any supplements. I've never done any cryotherapy. Yeah, because you just uh, you, you talked about the most basic thing in terms of looking after the body, right, which is, which is sleep. But you're also talking about, you alluded to, you, you eat a lot. Yeah. What's, what's a typical day of eating look like? Um, I have like egg, bacon, avocado in the morning. Uh huh. There's a really good burrito place around the corner from uh, from the gym that I go to. Yeah. Um, in the evenings, I have a lot of veg, a lot of meat, but I'm not like I don't hold back on the sweet stuff either. You know, it's important with the amount of training to get calories in. Yeah. So yeah, I still don't think I'm hitting enough calories really, given the sort of training regime I'm doing. And it could be cleaner calories. You know, mm -hmm. I do have a bit. Of, I do have a bit of a sweet tooth. I'm being injured. My diet's gone to shit. Yeah, you're looking really fat, mate. Uh, fat as hell. Beard, <laughs> it adds like twenty pounds. So, it, so if I, if I was to kind of think about that eating, then you're not well. I suppose you're getting carbohydrate in the form of sugar from some of the sweet stuff. But you say you're eating a lot of veg in the evening, um, you know, uh, fats and proteins in the morning for breakfast. Mm. And then is it a burrito, a burrito for lunch every day? That's got veg. Yeah. <laughs> Depends what you put in there. Oh, that's all good stuff. So this is all right. Um, yeah. Not every day, but yeah, pretty standard. I don't follow my eating a lot, but I know I feel like I eat a lot. Yeah, yeah. You need to keep a little food diary for us, mate, and we can kind of, we can kind of, we kind of break it down. That would make me feel really bad. <laughs> yeah, I probably, I probably should. So you're not thinking, you know, you, you've got, there's, you know, you've got some idea of what's going on. You know, you know, you need to eat veg, get fats and good proteins in. But other than that, you're not really, uh, you know, okay. I'm, I've got, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not following it intently. You're you know? not breaking it down. No. Which is interesting for you. I, I I don't like the word interesting, but I keep using it. But anyway, um, for you, because you you studied biomedical science, yes, at university, uh, at, a, at a very good university, and passed with a very good degree. And biomedical science is not about nutrition, but you're very you you came from a very scientific background, and I've seen the other qualifications you've got leading up to that. But then you are you seem to be less scientific about your approach for eating and maybe other forms of your training um yeah i mean i do think about it i do think about doing these things but then thinking about it and then creating a habit out of it are two totally different things isn't it yeah but it works for you right it works yeah i mean like really i have no right to be at the level that i'm at well, I don't know. But what, but what I'm doing seems, seems to be working. You look, a coyote, a, 
you do put, you do, that's the main thing, right? It's, and I, I tell people that, you know, all of the nutrition, all of the, all of the strength and conditioning, all of the mobility work, the breathing training, that's not going to make you good at jujitsu. It can help better prepare your body for the demands of jujitsu, but jujitsu is what makes you better at jujitsu. And that's what yeah. you've, you've, you've clearly have plenty of. So something that I, yeah, I put uh, most of my energy goes into the, just the training and putting the hours in and getting as many hours on the mat as I can. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. People are predictable, you know? And I think that's what we're trying to take at the higher, higher levels. Mm-hmm. We're getting better at reading the predictability of people, you know, read, reading what people in, you mean put them you mean, under certain stresses within grappling? In, within grappling, yeah. So you're thinking about you know looking at potential future opponents and top opponents, and you can you you look for patterns and how you can exploit and take them outside of those patterns. Yeah, I think that's what we're all doing. As in, you, when you say you, you all, all of us, do you mean in terms of every, your school or every school? Um, every every school. I think everyone whether they know it or not, it, it, what we're trying to do is once we get past the initial phase of, you know, learning, learning the basics of it, then it mm-hmm. becomes predicting what a good grappler would do when you put them under this stress. And then, so I'm telling my students now a lot, I am going for this submission. Maybe it would work 10% of the time, but the other 90% of the time, they will use this escape. Yeah, we can attack that escape, and that's when you start dealing in chains and in trying to predict what your opponent's going to do. And in reactions, yeah, it's not a failure if they defend it like this, because then we move on to this. Do you think of it in terms of a circle where you try to chain it all the way back to come back yeah. to the original position, and then keep going through, and then maybe you switch yeah. directions? Yeah, you, you you build up. Eventually, what happens is that you end up with like cyclic systems. Yeah. Well, then. Yeah bits and pieces feeding into that cycle. So like I mentioned earlier, we're talking about uh, the HQ or the hub position. Yeah. Winning that inside leg position. Such a basic objective Mm -hmm. leads to a massive system of moves. Yeah. It's like 75% of the path to get to that position. Yeah. So so when when you're warming up, your students so you're putting them through a warm-up what does that look like and you're trying to ch- are you, do you get them to drill these techniques in in kind of pairs or threes or fours as part um, of those warm-ups my warm-ups i don't really i think i do probably about five minutes just to get you know, most of the warming up comes from the drill in itself and i so i wouldn't categorize that as as the warm-up i'd say that's our technique part okay um but what i have them doing now is there's lots of little little ways. Uh, I, I like teaching sequences mm-hmm. and attacking the correct defense for an initial stimulation. Yeah. So I'm trying to get them to do that. So say that again. So you're teaching sequences and attacking the correct the defense correct... for like the initial stimulation. Yeah. A good opponent will do, and this is what we do when they do that. And when you do, you, you know, if you're, 
if you're teaching it to someone for the first time, you need to show them each individually. But are you, you know, for most of the people that you're teaching, are you showing, you know, okay, this is the drill that we're going to do, and you show the three steps, and that's. I think so. T- teaching uh, teaching white belts and lower grades is slightly different. What I do there is um, I build from the finish out. So, okay. Um, like get you know, it's, it's really difficult for a white belt to come in and and be like, right, shit, where the hell do I start? Yeah you start from the positions that we're trying to get to mm-hmm. ultimately that's what give con that's what gives context to the rest of grappling mm-hmm. right side control is good um why you can submit from here mount is good why because you've got all these other threats from here back is good why all these threats okay then once you deal with like the submissions and the escapes from those positions then we can layer pathways on top of that and trying to get there or mm-hmm. trying to prevent people from getting there. So with, with, when new people come in, I say like, you've got to know where we're trying to get to. That's the first step. Yeah. How we get out of these shit. These are shit positions and why. Yeah. So you, you bring it, bring it right back down to the basics. Yeah. So like not the basics of passing because there, there's no context there. You've got to give them the context. Jiu-jitsu is, there's a is a positional hierarchy mm-hmm. they need to know that positional hierarchy first and foremost then we can build on top of that a position over submission that old that old classic yeah. Yeah. do you ever get into i don't like using the word self-defense because i think it conjures up a different image but teaching jujitsu how it would be applied in a fight situation um I think that that is pretty much almost ticked off within the first six months of anyone's foray into grappling. You think? Um, I think, yeah. I, I think you learn how to take somebody down, how to control somebody on the ground, whether that is based around um, a tournament environment if for a tournament is, is silly. Uh, to to kind of why 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 does boxing not have the same argument, you know? Because they're teaching you how to control distance, how to hit, and how not to get hit. Yeah. But do we do that? I know we. I know you know coming up in the UK, we did some self defence. But I've learned a lot more self. Well, I don't like the word self-defense because self-defense makes it sound all fluffy. But jujitsu in the context of fighting, I think, is a better way to frame it. I've learned a lot more of that being here than I did when I was in the UK. I think you see any high-level um, competitive grappler, mm-hmm. they can defend themselves because what would happen is they take yeah. the guy down, even like the the guys with the ultra-modern games like the Meows. Yep. I promise you, if they can perform Berenbolos and uh, Kiss the Dragons and all these inversions, they can take pretty much any Joe Blogs down who is likely to attack them on the street. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And there are, there are you know, there's all, all, always exceptions and certain you know scenarios but there's a good video of ryan hall getting into a situation a few years back i saw something posted earlier where a black belt i forget the name of the school but a high a high ranked you know a well-known school got attacked outside his gym and the guy got and then he completely dominated the guy 
And I think that's good. I think that's good. But they are high-level grapplers that have been grappling for you know, more than a decade. But can you teach someone within the first six months who hasn't got high-level grappling before they know how to do all of that stuff to also deal with strikes, how to control the distance, how to not get hit, how to you know, take, take, the down, take the person down or get into a position that's you know, good versus bad in, in a fight scenario? Can you, do, can, can you give someone that in the first six months or do they need to go through the 10 years to be able to get there? I think like, probably giving some, uh, the people who are likely to be an attack in this a little bit too much credit because... You've got a good story, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I, I've been attacked and I've taken somebody down and choked them out. Tell, tell that story. We'll get back into it, but tell, tell that story. Like, I walked uh, home from the gym one night with like, I'd just been at Tesco's, so I had shopping in my hands. And this guy across the street just being thrown out of a pub for being too drunk. And he's swearing at a bunch of women, stopping in the street. And the, I go to walk past him. And he turns around and hits me in the chest. Like, just a wild arm. He's like, what, what, what the fuck are you going to do? So, like, yeah, I, I put the bags down. And he took a big swing at me. And at that point, I was already under the punch and taking him down. Um, then he tried getting up. So I put my hooks in, took his back and then choked him. <laughs> I like, I, I think like that would be what would happen with, with most people mm-hmm. who have grappling experience and somebody doesn't because the way we think about fighting changes, what he was thinking is I'm going to throw punches at him. He's going to throw punches at me. Nothing's really going to happen off the back of that. Like, yeah. But somebody throws a punch at you wild, which is super likely to happen. They're not thinking about distance management. They should be thinking about distance managing, keeping the grappler away from them, shouldn't they? They should. They should. I just want to. I because I've I've heard this story a couple of times. Um, so I, I so I just want to add a couple of details to really kind of bring this to life. So you're a purple belt at the time. You're crossing the road. You've got bags of how many? Two bags of shopping maybe in your hand. Yeah. Some guys start to fight with you. You casually put the bags of shopping down, take him down. He turtles, you choke, you choke him out, he passes out, right? And then you get up, take your shopping bags off and walk, just casually walk away. And then he wakes up, looks at you when you're already walking off in the distance. Yeah, that's what happened. Dude, it's beautiful. Need to get that. It's, it's almost like, I don't know, I've got a picture of some comic book strip in my head. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with you in many ways that, you know, just training jujitsu in itself is a very, very good form of self-defense. <clears throat> What's changed my mind mindset about it a lot is training where we train. We've got, um, there's a guy called Tino Martinez. He's been doing jujitsu for like 24 years, I think. He's third degree black belt. Excellent, excellent sports jujitsu. He also works for border, uh, the Border Patrol. And a part of his job is teaching grappling to the agents, to the border patrol agents. And, and we also have a lot of law enforcement, um, you know, sheriffs and you know, people in the sheriff's department and the police department training with us. So they've encountered very different situations with, with people that are not necessarily just, you know, someone who's, you know, pissed up on the street and wants to pick, pick a fight. But, 
pretty you know hardened individuals that have grown up fighting and um <clears throat> they have very different stories and situations and they're also dealing with a situation where that person could have a weapon or could have a gun they've got a weapon you know they've got a gun on them and that could potentially get taken off them so it's it's a very different insight into how you can use jujitsu so i've learned a lot from tino actually in some of the stuff that, that he showed me and he's got he told me to, told a story where Anderson Silva is in, has been mounted by Chael Sonnen in one of their fights. And what Anderson does is wraps his arms around Chael's body and hips up into him. And every time Chael tries to punch Anderson, he drives forward with hips, which pu pushes Chael Sonnen forward. And he was sitting there watching the fight with other jiu-jitsu people. And they're all like, what's he doing? What's Anderson doing? Why doesn't he use jujitsu? What's he doing? Why doesn't he escape the mount? But Tino, who knows this stuff, is like, well, that's self-defense. That's, you know, if you try, if you've not, you, maybe you've done this drill, right? But you put someone, someone mounts you. Let's say you are in a fight situation, okay? Um, and you slip in a bar. And maybe that person's done a little bit of fight and done a little bit of boxing. You slip in a bar, it's a wet floor, you end up on the bottom in mount. And if you try to hip escape, that person's quite often has got a clear path to your face. But when you wrap your arms around them and hip forward, they can't base off. There's too much weight. It's almost impossible for the person to base off and get the leverage to try and hit you. So it's, um, I don't know. I, I've, uh, over my training over the last couple of years, I, I've started to change my perspective. I think there's, you know, a large portion of jujitsu that applies very well to a fight situation. But I think there are certain elements that, I, I was a black belt learning this stuff. And I have to admit and say, like, I've, I've never learned that. I've done a little bit of boxing when I was a teenager, so I know, you know, the basic concepts of striking and distant man, distance management. But there was stuff, and it's like, it's a different way of thinking about it and a different way of thinking about grappling, even for an MMA scenario where, okay, could this person hit me in the face here? And it just reshapes it just ever so slightly. Anyway, that's my two pens. Yeah, it's an interesting addition to it. Do you have any guys training with you that do MMA? Oh, yeah, you got Ash. Yeah. Yeah. When someone can punch you, when, when you've got, I think, a threat of someone being able to punch you in the face. Oh, it does change jiu-jitsu massively. Yeah. And with, what's, what's the saying? I think Carlson Gracie said this, you punch a black belt in the face once, he becomes a brown belt punch him in the face again, he, he becomes a purple belt and so on and so forth. Well, that's it. If you're talking like, um, if you want to be totally complete, I think, I mean, you have to have striking with it because, I mean, we're, we're, like, we're, we've done it. You know, you, you get hit in the face the first time and it's like, it's weird, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same as anything. You start realizing you're not made out of glass. Yeah. I just open hand slaps. Something uh, the MMA guys that train with us, like if they end up in mount, for them to get out, they say like they've got to eat a couple shots to actually get out. Yeah. I mean, and it's not a good idea then, like wrapping his body up. But ultimately, did he escape Chael's mount? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the fight. That's the fault. Or was he riding it out to get stood up? And because is that self defense? Well, you don't get damaged. 
you don't get hurt. You're going to be you, there forever. Yeah, well, you know you want because that you be it'll be amazing. That person won't be able to maintain that on top for more than about thirty seconds. It's incredibly tiring, and the, the what we talk about when we do these kind of classes is that most people, if they're not a trained fighter, will they'll have a lot in them for the first twenty to thirty seconds, but after that, yeah, they're gone. They just, they're gone, and that's the, and then that's the point that we use to escape. So I don't know; I haven't seen the fight, but he's fighting against someone who's also a high level grappler as well. A right? High level guy, right? We triangled him, I think, maybe in the same fight. So it's just an example. Yeah. Last ten seconds was the fifth round. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just 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 an example. Uh, we to what I what I've thought about doing, I was sitting watching the UFC. That's one of the great things about this time zone is the UFC's on like at a nice time. And you can watch in the afternoon. You don't need to stay up until like stupid o'clock in the morning. Um, but I was sitting watching the UFC and I got this incredible itch to want to do an MMA fight. Do it. <sighs> and Well, do you know why I want to do it? And why I'm considering why? it? It may not happen, but... I feel like if I want to, if I want to open a jiu-jitsu school in the future, I think I almost owe it to my students to have tested my jiu-jitsu in a full fight situation. I almost owe it to my future students. Not that I, you have to have it because there are tons and tons of excellent jiu-jitsu teachers who haven't done it. Um, but that's the kind of the thought that went through my head. And I think if I look back in say 20, 30 years time and I'd go, Oh, will, will, will I regret it? I'm not sure. It's a big, it's a bit scary, but we'll see. Part of the reason why I'm competing so much now, I don't have the itch with MMA. Yeah. Um, You're too nice. I did have Bellator message me. Really? Yeah. How long ago? Uh, after the Grippo match. What did you? What did you think? No, <laughs> just, just straight, just straight, a straight no. Ross, you've gone on mute, buddy. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you again now. Perfect. Yeah. What did? Sorry. So was it a straight no when they messaged you? I thought I did think about it a little bit, like, but I've got too many things I'd like to do in grappling. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people kind of do a little bit of an escape into MMA. I think sometimes people think it might they might have like easier fights to start with, you know, and build up. Um, you're not going to get given an easier fight, though, right? You're like a no. Like same with you. You're going to go into MMA with a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. A lot of combat experience not in mma but people will you know consider that and when they match you up oh completely yeah completely it's a scary thought for me it's yeah. a, I, I don't I, i'm 36 you know I've, uh, i don't know maybe if i maybe if i you know i was a black belt at you know the age of 30 or i was at this point in my jiu-jitsu career at the age of 30 or a little bit younger it'd be different but I don't know. I don't know. I've publicly announced it now on the podcast, right? So I'm going to get people. Yeah, that you got to do it now. I'm going to people that are going to give me give me shit. Um, 
I do know I did get a couple of questions coming in Instagram. Oh, you've been doing that on Instagram? Shit. Well, I just put, I put a post up, right? So, and people have sent me some stuff in. Um, one of them, two of them from people you know, and one of them's going to make you laugh. But um, one of them is from a good friend of mine, Koji. And he asked about your diet, but I think we've covered that already. Um, and then, this is a good question. And I think we've touched upon it, but I'm going to ask it specifically. What attributes do you think has helped make you a successful competitor no um i think not taking myself too seriously sometimes i think that does help mm-hmm. she's kind of that, that we mentioned earlier with regards to like conscious thought being what restricts us the most in performing that kind of not being too worried about the result has been what's produced some of my best performances in grappling. I love what I do. I love grappling. And that makes, we said that I was on the mat, the most important thing in becoming a, a good grappler, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes that the thing that is the most important thing, the easiest thing to do. So there seems to be the, the, the two things that seem to jump out from, I think, throughout this conversation is your mental approach of not thinking too much about the result and getting out of your own way. And then on top of that, it's just consistent training and just knowing yeah. that, you know, the consistent you know, training is going to get you there. If you're stepping on the mat against against people like you know it, it um, you know you step on the mat in the a, the adcc uh, trials final right or you you've got all this you know you've, you've won things before it's important just to remind yourself that you know you're good at this you just say like just say that yourself you know i'm i'm good at this i've earned the right to be here let's go out and have some fun you know what i tell myself before I step on the mat is that at this point in time, my jujitsu has never been better and there's nothing else that I can do right now. And yeah, I mean, maybe you could have trained more, but my jujitsu is going to be better than it was last week. It's better than it was the week before. And with the small exception of someone who's been out for a long period of time, 99% of the time, that's going to be true. You, you, your jiu-jitsu could be better, but with everything that you've got, your jiu-jitsu is as good as it can be at that point in time. And there's, there's nothing else that you've, you've got and you just need to roll the dice and kind of go for it. So uh, what, um, <clears throat> I've got a couple of questions for you myself. There's one question I'm going to save to last. Uh, the next one that came in is from Underside Land. Um, underside land I'm going to give um, Stefano a quick plug if you saw on my Instagram uh, I won a competition and he did this amazing piece of artwork where he kindly you know made me look really ripped um, the fa- look, underside land on Instagram check, go check out his work guys some amazing jujitsu themed artwork so I wanted to, uh, to stem that. I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll follow him I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, set, I'll, set, I'll send you a laminated copy of, uh, yeah, I'll put it up on my wall. You looking ripped <laughs> in it, you? Dude, I look awesome. I look awesome. Stefano did an amazing job. Um, so his question is, what is your favorite tournament format to watch 
and or participate in? Oh, do you know what? It's like, I think the format is an interesting one because I think so much of it, so fighters can, it's down to the attitude of the fighters in whatever format, whether okay. it's going to be exciting or not. Um, like you have a, Do you think the like rules... Look at somebody like Wagner Rocha and Benson Henderson. They went into that match in, in the last Polaris just to make it entertaining as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see like other matches um, where people are a little bit more concerned about the result. Yep. And, you know, still produce fantastic performances, but doesn't quite have the same drama. And the, yep. You know, to, to what happens. So it's so much down to the, to the athletes, I think any rule set can be made exciting. I do love every two years watching the ADCC. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. I love watching that. Um, I actually really quite enjoy competing in it as well. So I got a nice mix of for the submission only guys in the first three minutes. And then with, uh, you know, the points afterwards. Um, Yeah. I think the ADCC rule set is probably my favorite to, and I've had a fairly good... Uh, it's probably been affected by recent performances within that rule set. Uh-huh. I felt like it both allowed me to express my grappling um, in a submission sense. Yeah. Uh, and with the points afterwards to be a little bit more certain of winning, you know, get, getting that result at the end, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So is it, I was going to ask you first when you were talking about the Benson Henderson and Wagner Rocha fight where you know, to win a Polaris fight is a big thing, but it's nowhere near as big as winning a world title or ADCC. I don't think, is there money on the line in Polaris? Yeah, um, you know, you sign contracts. There's a purse, but it's not a $50,000 purse, right? So. No. I was was going to ask you, you know, okay, maybe that's because, almost because there's less on the fight and they're more interested in giving a show versus... I do prefer tournament formats as well, though. So... Okay. uh, Like, one-off fights, they're great. I enjoy them. But I do prefer coming off the mat with, at the end of the day, with six fights under my belt. Yeah. That's That's a good feeling. So you think so? ADCC was one for you. Like I had the good mix of had the good mix of of that, and I I really like the EBI format. Not not a huge fan of the overtime rules, but having done them a couple times, they're starting to win me over. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, like particularly with if you grind on the guy for 10 minutes, you do have an advantage in those overtime rounds mm-hmm. with, the, with your opponent being tired. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's, look, there's, there's pros and cons to every single rule set. There is no, per, there is no perfect rule set unless maybe you have no rules. Um, but we're not savages. Even, even the UFC has rules, right? Um, but yeah, EBI, I've been to a few EBIs actually, and it's good. I like the overtime because it does give you a definitive winner. There's no, there's no kind of argument over, uh, there's always... You're, I'm, not, you're not, I'm not sure it does give you a definitive winner. 
I mean, how often have you seen a ten a ten minute period gone one way and then the subsequent EBI overtime go to the grappler that didn't get the better of that ten minutes? But let's look at it this way: with the whole idea and purpose of jujitsu in the first place was to use you know, leverage and technique to, to beat a, a larger, bigger opponent. And quite often, I'm not saying this is a reflection of how Jiu-Jitsu or my Jiu-Jitsu started, but um, that ability to survive is a big aspect of that, you know, that type of, that type of fighting. You know, first you've got to survive. I know it's, it's not set up in that way, but I'm just, I'm, thro- I'm putting devil, devil's advocate out there that, you know, just surviving and then getting your opportunity to win. But what is the goal of these shows? Is it to produce really exciting, you know, uh, grappling? When if you've got one guy going after subs and the other guy just turtling up and surviving, looking to get to some EB, to EBI overtime, and people do that. Yeah, people do that. You know, maybe like longer matches would be the answer to that. You know, if uh, if they did fifteen or twenty minute rounds in EBI submission only. Yeah, or, and then and then you have EBI overtime after that. Then saying I'm gonna not get tapped for twenty minutes doesn't quite sound as easy as I'm not gonna get you know I'm not gonna get tapped for ten, right? Yeah, it, it's I've done fifteen minute fights and it's hard. Fifteen minute fights, it's 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 real tough to not. Well, I didn't tap, or I didn't get I didn't get tap, or I didn't tap the person in both of them. But um, yeah, it is it, it is tough and. I know there have, there have been tournaments where it's a knockout tournament and there's no time limit. And people think, well, that's just going to go on forever. And you do get the odd fight that goes on for a long time. They, they don't, though. Like most of them, yeah. isn't they it? They're, they're early submissions. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... Have I done a submission-only tournament? I did. You can only win by submission, but there was a time limit. I think I've done one of those. Yeah. yeah, I've only ever done one one sub only match with like no time limit. Went up to thirty minutes. Did you win? Yeah, yeah. Third, third. That's, that's a long old fight. That. Oh, but I, I I loved getting the chance to be like, look, like, because we do it in the gym all the time, mm-hmm. don't we? You know, like roll for a half hour, forty minutes, whatever. And being able to show that I can do that in a tournament environment. So like you know, it was a, it was one of those one-off matches, and everyone was watching that match. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you must approach the fight very differently, knowing though that you've got a time limit. You have that you have no time limit. Sorry, it's quite kind of like it's weird. It's both relaxing and a little bit nerve-wracking because you're never ahead. Mm-hmm. But initially, like you're just kind of like, oh, stuff. I'm just going to throw up subs. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to trust my techniques and go for it. Because the only way out of there is to submit the guy. And when you won, did you did you feel like that fatigue was a factor with your opponent, or you just happened to you know catch them? Um, I don't know if it was fatigue. Maybe he was getting a bit tired. I guess you'd kind of have to ask him. Yeah. But having that having that out sometimes can uh, restrict what you go for. So it happened to me with Gianni, right? So I had a a really good first, I think, 
14 minutes or something. So I was really pleased with how that went. It's a 20, started, a 20 minute then, fight. Yeah. 20 minute match. And then you get to it like with your corner shouting, if you don't fuck up, you win. Yeah. And you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, the mindset. If I, if, I did, if I didn't have that, that limit, you know, he might've got me. Um, Mind, the mindset changes. Yeah. Yeah. But I probably would have kept on going for stuff a little bit more willingly instead of like curling up a little bit more and just trying to get to the end. Mm. So, yeah, it's all grappling, right? It's all grappling at the end of the day. And the, as much of it as you can expose yourself yeah. to, you get the more experiences you get. It's only going to help make you better. Yeah. And people always will always find a new way of fucking with their own, fucking with themselves mentally. Get out of your own way, right? Yeah. Again, again get out of your own way. So I, I, I've, I've got a question for you, right? And I get, because you got your black belt from Hodger and I got my black belt from Hodger, but I've never rolled with him. And it just the way it worked out because we trained at a different academy. Whenever yeah. I went over there, he wasn't there. Whenever he came to teach a seminar, I was away, and it just didn't. It never kind of worked out that I got to roll with him. And I get asked a lot, like, "Oh, what's it like to roll with Hodger?" Yeah, I yeah. do too. Everyone assumes that I, I roll with him all the time. Yeah, he, he, he comes whenever I get um, whenever I get graded like a, a stripe. So he literally came down when I got my first stripe to fuck me up in front of everyone i think it was funny how so that what what's it like to roll with with hodger oh, gracie it's like like you know nothing like you know nothing i hit one sweep on him once it made me so happy and then the guy just like totally kind of worked out that sweep that i got he's a genius yeah yeah so even you know that match he did against bushesha you know people are like um, you know, who's going to win that? I was just like, Roger. I was like, why? Roger's been out of, and it didn't make sense, right? Roger should, shouldn't have won that, being out of tournament for ages. Puchech is the, the king. Like, yeah. Roger's magic. Yeah. Magic. Just a, does not make sense. I know it doesn't make sense, me saying that you're going to win that, but obviously he's going to win. He's magic. And when, you, and when you're rolling with him, is he, I'm guessing he's not using any technique that you've never seen is he just closing everything down that you've got and just using basics just to it's like wide hip positioning is huge his, his weight distribution is fantastic so he's like it's not really strength that he uses it's just how he kind of just star fishes on people and that distribution of weight i try actually modeling my passing a lot on some of the stuff that he does yeah okay so the wider you're able to kind of like open your legs the heavier your hips become mm. you see that a lot with him yeah he'll get his hips over the top of theirs and just open his knees and just sink down and his hips just drop and crush and like mm. I, I like i like i'm a big butterfly player i like playing butterfly guard roger deliberately will grab my leg and put my leg my <laughs> position and i'm like oh i'm, I'm happy here and then don't <laughs> So he, how demoralizing is that? That he's allowed you to get not actually not allowed you put you no, no, into your strongest. He's actually placed my leg inside his. <laughs> does he laugh when he does that? No. That'd be funny. Yeah, he's the goat in England. You know, nobody's going to come along and uh, 
I, I was like, you know, he, he did those worlds and won them like he wasn't putting any effort in. Yeah. Uh, I've to, to go through like 11 matches and hit 11 submissions. I've watched a lot of his fights, studied a lot of his fights. And we were there for one. But yeah, we but were he, both blue belts, remember? Yeah, but um, when we were there for that one, uh, Homolo Bahal was injured for the final of the absolute, so he missed it. So yeah, so he just Gutted. got awarded it. Um, there's a great, there's a great fight of him watching him just just break him down in Homolo Bahal the year before. Yeah, the, the Lee, leans on him for like eight minutes, and then Homolo can't hold his guard anymore, and it it's just the, like collapses. It's the best example of pressure passing I think I've ever seen, right? And how patient he is in terms of holding that one position and just breaking it down. Yeah, and I go through what like eighty percent of the match yeah. without a score, knowing that the scores are going to come. And that, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, you Buchecha is awesome, right? And I've seen a lot of his fights over the last couple of years because I've been there, you know, been here in California and I've gone to watch it. And I'm not knocking his jujitsu, he'd kick my ass. But if I watch his fights and the way he's won the worlds, this is the way that Hodger has won the worlds. The way that Hodger will maybe only go through three or four different positions in a fight. Once he gets position, you progress to the next position and then pretty much the fight is over. So the level of control he gets over the opponents and the way he won those fights is, it, maybe it's just stylistically different, but it's almost, it's almost boring to watch unless you really appreciate the finer points of jiu-jitsu. But it's so effective in the way that he controls people. It's, it's a completely different way that he won those world titles, I think. I think Rog can read people better than anyone else in the world. I think that's why he makes it look so easy. So would it be safe to say that he's the... the I feel the, like, like uh, there's different styles, isn't there? So Buchecha, I think, is quite kind of imposing. Mm-hmm. I'd say Rog is very reactive. Mm. And I, my next question was going to be, who do you model your game on? And you said you model your game, you're passing a little bit on what he does. Do you model a lot of other aspects of your game? It sounds like maybe the mental side of things as well. We've been reactive. Yeah. I think watching him a little bit deeper, he like he he takes what's on offer. Yeah. Yeah. Um like I don't really model myself on like obviously you watch jujitsu and you think, Oh, that's cool. So we're probably modeled on like a collection of maybe like 50 athletes, if you think. Yeah. You, know, you scroll down your uh, your Facebook feed and you just get, oh, that's cool, that's cool, and you just add these things in. But yeah, yeah nobody in particular. Yeah. I, lo- I love the way Roger approached things, though. It's awesome to watch. Yeah. It's awesome to watch. I, um, I use his uh, Roger Gracie TV, and it, it's it's like... Why every single person in the world who does jiu-jitsu hasn't got access to that, I don't know. Because it, it's literally Pandora's box being opened. Yeah. And I get no money for saying that at all, right? I'm not sponsored. Maybe I maybe we should speak to, to Callum and see if he, they'll sponsor the show. Um, that's a good idea. But I, I get no money for saying that. But it's like, it's, it's the goat opening up. And, you know, he'll answer, he, he'll answer questions, people sending questions, and he does videos. It's, 
just quality stuff. And what blows, blows me away about it is how much of the stuff is, yeah, I've, I've seen that before, but you show a little detail and it's not so much that technique doesn't work. It's just you're not using it in the right way to make it work against everyone. Time and time again, just really simple stuff. So, so damn good. If we talk about these like simple start points as well, and I just think off of that, what, why, why he makes it look so easy is not because he's just looking for that one move. Mm-hmm. I think he, there's so many different threats coming from so many different angles, but you never really get to see 99% of them. He just kind of funnels the guy down that, down in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he's purposefully taken the game towards his strengths? That's what it seems like to me. He knows where he's strong. Yeah, like, he's like, like, like we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly very, he's almost like he's developed his guard as well to an extent where he's got another position where it's like having somebody's back. Yeah. You know, you end up in Roger's guard, you ain't fucking coming out. You've be, you been inside his guard? Or did you, it's horrible. It's really? Horrible. <laughs> you try, but like once that happens, it's done. Yeah, there's, no, there's no getting out. Well, not for me anyway. Maybe for somebody else there might be, but like, I, I don't know. Not for me. Ah, oh, there's levels upon levels upon levels upon levels, right? It's, um, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. So how are you doing for time, buddy? I'm all right for time. Yeah. Still, uh, still fairly early for you. Um, I, hope, I hope I'm not interrupting your third nap of the day. No, I mean like, well, I had a long ass sleep last night because of my my leg you know, not not training or anything so i would literally be here watching tv now have you got the tv on? have you got the, have you got the tv on in the background there it's just netflix is on like the do you know it does the screen service oh yeah i know have you watched narcos mexico yet no not yet oh we just finished that last night mate any good you know, it's it, it's a great. It's it's based on true events. It's an incredible. It's an it's an incredible series. Really, really well done with the acting. I watched and the, the first season and a half about uh, Pablo Escobar. Yeah, so it, it links into that, and it's just such a fucked up story with the cartels in Mexico, and obviously how it you know it's it part of it is fifty miles away from where I live right now, so it's very yeah very local right in many ways and the impact it's had on the u.s and the impact is the terrible impact it's had on 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 mexico so it's obviously it's dramatizing it and you've got to take a little with a little bit of a pinch of salt so it's a whole it's just an incredible thing to try to wrap your head around it's a good it's a good series as well very very well done yeah i enjoyed the first one and apparently uh the guy who plays pablo in the first one's a perk about jiu-jitsu is he really yeah i think so but you know the best thing is matt Super Superman is Superman. Henry Cavill is he a blue belt now? No, still a white. I think still a white belt. We would have seen it. I don't want to be Russell. Russell Brand is getting into it, isn't he? He was at the the Bucks Open. Really? Did he compete? No, he didn't compete. Didn't compete. But he was up there watching, so it's really cool seeing him uh, getting involved. Yeah, and you probably rub shoulders with some of these guys or could rub shoulders with these guys being in London. Well, I was meant to compete on that one, but my, uh, 
my opponent um, pulled out due to injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit happens. So, uh, yeah, so next question for you from Orlando Fernandez, who you obviously know. Uh, Orlando, yeah, what's he said? What's your least favorite submission? My least favorite submission? Mm-hmm. Never really got with leg, uh, wrist locks. Uh, okay. I don't like the kind of. I mean, like I'm talking about that. I don't know a great deal about them. That's probably why I don't like them. Um, I don't like submissions where you're not totally and utterly in control of your opponent to begin with. Okay. You know, like a, like a quick so a dodgy hand position, slam it on quick. If they don't, if you don't put it on fast, they're going to slip out. Yeah. You know? I love that feeling like in an arm bar where you're extending the arm. You've got your, your heavy legs are in, heavy knee pitch. The guy's flailing about. He cannot move. Yeah. Just like trolling him. I'm going to look. <laughs> like I'm not a big, yeah, I'm just not a big fan of subs where you have to like go really hard because of the lack of the control on the position, which is why heel hooks were, were dangerous to start with. I think the big change has been like, a better understanding of how to control the leg and then apply the heel hook. Yeah. Yeah. What people would do before is just be like, heel, slam. And then it's a race. Who can spin faster? Yeah, because the heel hook may be more than any other position. You can do everything to control that person. And the actual, the actual finish is a movement of a couple of millimeters if you get the control yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, if you're talking like a four-one-one, a saddle or whatever, you know, you get you lock that position down, you get it right, you control both legs. Mm-hmm. That's as stable as a back control. You barely need to move. Yeah. So wrist locks. So wrist locks are your least favorite submission. Well, it's not so much wrist locks. What you're saying is a submission where you don't already have full control over the over the person. Yeah, and like I'm not a big fan of a steamer locks either, for the largely the same reason. Uh huh. Because the guy can just spin, and like for, for, for you to, to really create, um, you know, a high percentage submission off of it, you've got to go hard to get that sub. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have the control element. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. There's always more control you can get over it by degree. There's a lot less control over that compared to other tour holds. So we got yeah. one more. We got we got one. We have one more question, and this is from Christopher Knowles. Ah, oh, he's a dick. <laughs> Actually, you... shout out to Chris, like being a big help with developing my leg locks. He's he's been allowing uh, allowing you to leg lock the shit out of him. Allowing the leg lock the shit. Okay. <laughs> Chris is a good guy. Hi, Chris, and thank Hi, you for the que- thank you for the question. The question is, do you ever regret having your tail removed? Yeah, Chris has started this rumor that I grew, that, that I was born with a vestigial tail. And I believe, you know, it would certainly be more, would be useful, wouldn't it, if I kept it? Did you ever get into Dragon Ball Z? Nah, although I've like, it's on my list. 
So whilst I've been injured, I've been getting through all of the anime on Netflix. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> Let me know which ones you like, because I'm a good anime fan, but there's a lot of crap on there. I like Tight, uh, Attack on Titan. Finish that. Okay. But I need, I need to watch the next two seasons. They're not on Netflix. The other one I like um, is, uh, I've got the box set, uh, One Punch Man. You're the second person to say that to me. I watched one or two episodes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good show, that. Oh, it's funny, man. It's, what, a superhero that's so strong, finishes everyone in one punch. You're like, how can you make a show about that? But he's got, like, he's stupid and has, he's, like, massively depressed because he can't get a good fight. Yeah, yeah, just beats, uh, beats everyone. Well, yeah. the, re- the reason I ask you about uh, Dragon Ball Z is, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly, in the early episodes, they have, a t- yeah, um, they have a tail, but then it gets, they lose it or it gets removed. I, I don't know the details. So, you know, if you did have a tail and you did have it removed, maybe you're on a path to becoming Super Saiyan, Ross. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be pretty cool. Is it, was it Roberto Toshi, Roberto? Satoshi, does Satoshi that, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Is it Roberto Satoshi? Satoshi. One, one, of the bro- one of the brothers. Super, yeah, he goes super Saiyan. He, he stamps and screams before he does any. He's crazy before he, before he fights. And he, I think he bleached his hair blonde at one point as well. One point, yeah. That was cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Ross, I'm, I'm watching I, it. It's a good show. I, I want to. Cl- I'm going to close out with. Well, we don't have to close out. Well, I do in about 15 minutes, but I'm going to ask one last thing. I think it's going to be really helpful for for the listeners. What would your top tips be to someone? Or what maybe you give this? Maybe these are tips you give to people already. But top tips for someone that's just coming into jujitsu. Tips for beginners. I think what I said earlier. So start by understanding the positional hierarchy, you know, so start off with those three, side control, mount, um, on the back, learn your escapes, learn your subs, and then build off of that. So beginners coming in, the hardest thing that they find is starting points. Understand where we're trying to get to and what we're trying to avoid. There's your starting point. Um, it's been a while since I was a beginner. Uh, don't take yourself too seriously. I, I, I advise my students to compete. Yeah. But the most important thing is that you come in and enjoy what you're doing every day. That's why any, all of us that have black belts started. Just enjoying it. Enjoy it. Don't put too much emphasis on the results that you get. Just enjoy the ride. I think that's very good advice for a number of reasons, but one of them being that in most academies, 95% of people don't, don't, don't compete. They don't want to compete. I think while we trained in London, it's diff- it was different because you're in, in, in the city of London. It's a different uh, catchment area and you're very, you get a very different type of person. Um, you know, people maybe a little bit younger, um, a bit more energy. But I think, with the exception of the kids' classes that you get, a lot of a lot of other schools outside of you know big cities, 
the people that you tend to have, have come and introduce you tend to be a lot older. So they're not, you know, in their early 20s and raging full of hormones and want to go out and, and rule the world. They just want to enjoy the sport and get, you know, treat, treat it as a hobby. So I think that's one of the reasons why that's such good advice because it's, you know, just enjoying yourself at the end of the day. If you're not doing it for a world title, um, you you got to struggle a lot with this sport. So you may as well enjoy You may as well enjoy yourself along the way. Yeah. And another thing I'd say is, if you've got a move that's working on everyone, branch out from that move. Mm. You know? If you're the guy that that from his close guard triangles everyone you should get to a point after hitting that submission so many times that it gets boring. Change up your game. If you know your passing's weak, you know, don't be frightened of getting on top and changing the objectives that you have to improve all aspects of your game. Mm. Get out of the comfort zone. Out of the comfort zone. Don't be the guy that just passes and hits like, you know, the, the Kimura from side control all the time. That should, that will never go away. You'll always have that there. You'll always be really good at that move. So if you take that off, try something else. If you don't hit triangles, go for triangles. If you don't hit, uh, you know, certain sweeps, go after those sweeps. Yeah. And look to set it up, create chains. You know, get used to telling a story and attack your opponent's reactions, correct reactions to a, to a stimulus. Mm. Yeah. So then you're moving on into the kind of like blue belt advice there and how they're gonna how they're gonna move from being a white to a blue, you know, to a higher level grappler, how you change the way of thinking of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's good advice, Matt. It's very good advice. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. Um so people people that are listening are probably wondering why we haven't delved into the physical optimization side of things. And the reason that we haven't done that, I'm going to ask you and just kind of confirm this is still true, is because you're very much of the Marcelo Garcia school, right? Where you do, we talked about, you know, you, you look, you, you get a lot of sleep. You know, we talked a little bit about your diet. But outside that... I do very little yeah. physical conditioning outside of that. Most of it, everything I do, if I've got energy to do anything, I will grapple. Yeah. Um, that's what I enjoy doing. That's what I'm trying to get good at. And I feel like, I, you know, I think everyone's different. You've just got to find the best way for you to train and the best way for me to train and to get the most out of this sport is just to grapple as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you get any physical problems? Like, you know, maybe an imbalance in strength or mobility in parts of your body that, you know, get you get those little niggles. Do so you feel? no. No, I feel I feel great. Yeah, I feel fine. Yeah, and I do take. I, I wind up some of the because obviously we, we train in gym box, right? So um, there's a lot of PTs that uh, cross train with us. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you got to lift weights. You'll take your game to the next level. I'm like, oh, oh and you, you lift weights, so you'll prevent you from getting injured. I'm like, I don't get injured. And then the next thing I see them hobbling over, having tried to pick up something heavy. Yeah getting injured from lifting weights and I'm like ah see when I see something heavy I leave it the fuck there and I don't get hurt I armbar it <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's good right and it's 
yeah, I wanted to get you on the show for a number of reasons, right? Because I, I think people are going to really enjoy listening to this conversation, but also to let people know that I'm a big advocate of strength and conditioning and what I call physical optimization. Obviously, right? It's the main theme of, of this, of this show and of the website, but, uh, you know, to show people that there's, there's never one way, there's never one way and you've got to find the way that kind of works that works best for you. I enjoy, I enjoy strength and conditioning and always have, and I'll, I would, I would do it even if I wasn't doing jujitsu. I think there's a lot of research to show the performance and the health benefits from it. Um, you know, I feel, I feel more in balance, you know, we've got to get the ba- I've got to get the balance right. Um, I think it's very, very good for people that can't make it onto the mat as much as you do. Um, or if you've got specific problems that you may need to solve, from you know overuse injuries or coming out from you know <clears throat> a different background coming into jiu-jitsu but that's not the case for everyone and i think you're a perfect example perfect example of that yeah it's the same with jiu-jitsu isn't it like you know there's no no right or wrong way to do it i guess whatever way that works yeah, if you're the guy bearing bowling everyone and taking people's back, great. If you're the guy smash passing everyone and submitting them with, you know, Camaras from side control and world championship finals, great. Still winning. Uh. There, are, yeah, I always encounter, well, not always, quite often encounter people I'm rolling with, and they're doing certain submissions or moves on me that, when you know how to deal with it, it's just more of a not an annoyance than anything else. And they'll, they'll ask me, you know, well, should I be doing that? And I always say to them, the way I fight jujitsu, I think your efforts are better off spent elsewhere in a certain position. Uh, you know, you know, certain submissions where if you don't get the submission, you give up side control or whatever the case may be. But I always say to them, it's not to say that you can't make that work if you want to develop your game down that path. You know, there, there are met so, many, so many people that have built jiu-jitsu off a unique style yeah, of, of fighting. Being, yeah, and being that unusual guy quite often is a big advantage in, uh, in tournament. If you're able to throw something up that people aren't used to, then, you know, you see these big innovations made and people run away with entire, you know, world titles. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I encourage people to, you know, to have a natural exploration and to express themselves in the way that they feel like it works. And, you know, just because it's not tried and tested now doesn't mean it can't become that way. I'll tell you what works for me and the way I like fight and I'll give you my opinion on it. But I always encourage, I will never, I try to stay away as much as possible from being, no, don't go down that path. I'll, I'll, it's up to, I'll give them what I know and I'll give them the information from my perspective so they can make their own decision. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's good advice. Lots of good advice today, Matt. Lots of good advice. Lots of, lots of good advice. <laughs> so, conceptual. Anything, this, is, this is a good, it's a good chat, Matt. It's a good chat. And I think we'll have to do it when, when you come over for ADCC, we'll have to do a live one and we can film some videos and stuff. And, you know, I'll, uh, I'll say I'd put you through a workout, but <laughs> that'd be pretty stupid. Not doing it. 
I'm not yeah, fucking I, I, doing it. I know you wouldn't do it. I know you wouldn't do it, but it would if be... I got injured just before ADCC from throwing a kettlebell about, I'd never talk to you again. Dude, uh, the number of people that don't do strength and conditioning and then decide to do strength and conditioning in the last couple of weeks before a, a tournament, I would never give you strength and conditioning before, before a tournament like yeah. that. Um, never. I'd never do that. Uh, it would be ridiculous. But we'd, we'll have to do some... We'll do some stuff. We'll do some, we'll do some good stuff. We'll roll. We'll roll. We've got to get that in. Yeah, you know, no one wants to see me beat you up, though, right? <laughs> you got big feet, innit? I do have big feet. I do have. No, I'd love to roll. I, I'd love to roll. We'll get some. We'll get some good sparring in, and um, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, and definitely get in with uh, get in with Sean. He's got some 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 horrendous, horrendously bad like leg lock type techniques. Oh, wonderful! The guy, the guys, the guys, the guy. He's awesome. He's awesome. Um, what else was I going to say? Do any any people you want to give a shout out to? Uh, everyone over here, you know, usual thing. Everyone in the gym, thanks for helping me out. Um, my sponsors, the Tommy Fightwear. Uh, I got a new sponsor as well, uh, Fight Oil Company. They sought me out with like antibacterial soaps and yeah, beaker oil. Now you shave Very your nice. beard, shocking. I know, I know. I had a real beard on it, not this, not that like bit of fluff you got. A bit of fluff. This is a proper beard. Yeah, yeah. I've you got know. the fly coming over there now. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, fight, fight oil and tatami. And tatami, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, check me out on Instagram, I guess. Up the followers a little bit. I'm trying to post. I'm, I'm terrible with social media. I'm trying to post more uh, technique stuff and, and fun so my, my, my injury last week happened um, after Polaris came up to do the filming for like the promo. Yeah. Um, and I hit some pretty cool stuff in the promo. Like I, I hit like, uh, yeah, so it, it, I think I must have got, must have got, so I'm trying to get the footage off of them so I can post it on Instagram. I just, I've seen your stuff, mate. It's, it's uh, no, you've got some good material on there. Um, I do have more followers than you though. Ah, uh, never mind. Uh, only, only just though, because I remember the last time we were on a podcast together on with uh, with Jack. We uh, we had we Did had, had little. You had more than me, I think. Then, so I like to I like the fuck with you about it. Uh, never mind. It's all right. No oh, man, it's uh yes. Yeah, so get over and follow Ross, and um, I like to give a shout out to Tatami as well because they're um, bunch of bunch of lads from the same town that Ross and I yeah. grew up in. Yeah, Walsh. just down the road from us. Little Walsh Company, so I know I know those guys. I know those guys well too. Um, Tatami is a good Welsh word. It is, it, yeah, it's a very Welsh word. Very Welsh word. It means go by geese. <laughs> <laughs> any any closing thoughts, Ross? No man, just thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Been a good chat. Good catching up with you. I'm glad. I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad that we did it. So, um, guys, big thank you to Ross for coming on to the show. Um, while I've while I've got you, make sure to head over to bjjstrength.com. Check out the, the latest free product that we've got, which is the lower back pain solution. Uh, it's been working wonders for the people that have been following the program. I know a lot of people coming into jujitsu can get you know issues and problems with their lower back, and it's it's um, it's a program that will you know. Fit, Hopefully, as um, 
as people have been finding out, will fix the lower back, but help with you know the performance element as well of jujitsu in terms of the areas of the body it's going to strengthen. So check out some of the stuff. Um, <laughs> I just got interrupted by a message from my wife that um, <laughs> when she said, "Am I taking the car train?" and I'm like, "Yes." I text back, and she's like, "When you're done with your sex chat?" Question mark. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Lisey. I'm gonna get her on the show one day and give her a, give her a bunch of shit as well. Um, anyway, but check out the free the free lower back pain ebook on BJJ strength. But with that, I'm gonna hit the stop record button. Ross, say goodbye to everyone. See you later, guys. Hope you enjoyed our chat. Go check out Ross. Ross Nichols BJJ. I'll put all the links to his stuff in um in the show notes. Thank you very much.